darling, with the young ones And the young ones shouldn't be afraid While the flame is strong Cause we may not be the young ones Very long Tomorrow While we wait until tomorrow Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 13 of the Young Animal Gathering. Uh, it's with this episode that we launch season two. Uh, we're into all new titles, all new uh, storylines, I suppose, and uh, we'll see if uh, if they're any better or worse than what came before. We're going to start with the first issue of Shade the Changing Woman. Uh, that first aired on March 11th, 2018. Then we go off to the brand new title, Eternity Girl Number 1. That originally aired on March 18th, 2018. We hop over to Cave Carson has an Interstellar Eye number one, which originally aired on March 25th, 2018. And then we wrap it all up with Mother Panic Gotham AD number one. Now that originally aired on April 1st, 2018. From this point on, the episodes should be uh, a little shorter. <laughs> We're not going to be cramming so much gram into these episodes. It's just going to be uh, pretty much every number one, then every number two, every number three, and... Uh, I think we only get one Doom Patrol in here for uh, the entirety, for the duration, until the very, very end. Uh, we hope you're digging this. We hope you like the uh, the new tone of uh, Young Animal's second season, and we hope you come back for more next week. See ya. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Oh, I need you. Young Animal segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have a whole new, it's a whole new world, right? Mm-hmm. Of, uh, young Animal books beginning right now with which one, Chris? Well, we're, uh, we're launching the second season with Shade the Changing Woman number one. Story's called The Butterfly Exchange, Part 1, I Feel It All. Written by Cecil Castellucci, with art by Molly Zarcon and Kelly Fitzpatrick. So, uh, the same as it ever was. The classic team, that's right. Mm -hmm. Now, we open five years later. Megan, we're going to call her Megan because we have uh, two shades in this scene, and I figure it'll be (laughs) be the least uh, confusing. Yeah, that's the way Uh, to go. Now, we've got Megan floating through the madness, and she comes across Rack Shade. And you know, Rack Shade is the red-haired Shade, the changing man from, uh, you know, the he, Ditko. And... He's, he's the original Ditko character. I don't know if he's yes. the original one to wear the M vest or the M coat, but he's the, the original character that started yeah, it all. The original, the original fellow we followed, yeah. that was followed. Uh, now, they share some coffee, and they discuss the tribulations of following Madness Time. 
Rack tells her that the madness is far more potent now that she's actually wearing the M-coat rather than just drawing from it. If you remember, Loma the avian was wearing it on Meta back in the day, and now she's got it all to herself. Now, Megan is hit with some pangs of homesickness. Uh, She misses her avian body, and she misses her human pals. Rack gives her a sneak peek, and we get a vision of her earthling buddies graduating from... uh, Maybe three years ago? We think three years ago. (laughs) There's sort of a wonky timeline thing happening. We're sort of jumping. We jump a little backwards, a little forwards. We're kind of bebopping and scatting through time. But I think what we're getting is kind of a recap of, you know, where... What happened here? This is the end of Animal House, you know what I mean? Like, what happened to everyone else, you know? (laughs) Yes, Uh, he went on to become a senator. Uh, (laughs) But by by the way, also, the sneak peek takes place in Rackshade's chest. Yes, he opens his vest and it's a hole in his chest. (laughs) We get sucked right in, and and we see them graduating, and they're talking about Megan. Uh, River, her her creepy neighbor, mentions that it's been two years since they'd last seen her. And that's, you know, Megan, which shade Megan, they call her both, I guess. Uh, Because Wes is there, too. And he uh, he doesn't know what's going on. He just call he he just misses his Megan from the, who's been gone a long time now. That's right. Uh, then we check in on Meta, and that's uh, we see a vision from last year, and there we have uh, was it Mellow Mellow Loran Mellow right. I don't remember his last name, but his name was Mello, yeah. (laughs) So Mello, or Mello, or whatever, is being given orders from Hellboy's sister, uh, if you remember her, and he goes off to pout. He claims that it takes a lot for Auzi, was it Auzians? Yeah, Auzians, I took it in. (laughs) And that's what we assume is what his kind is called. Yeah. Uh, He says it takes a lot for them to fall in love, but when they do... They really fall in love. So uh, he's taken the loss of Loma pretty hard. He's been taking it hard for quite a while now. About four years. Yes. (laughs) Now we watch him digging through some green stuff. It's like vines or weeds or something. Uh, And then he finds himself chosen by a green lantern ring. Whoa. Uh Uh-oh. That was surprising, I must admit. It was. Uh, Back in the madness Iverse, uh, Shade and Shade, that is Megan. Uh, they're having an I am 14, and this is deep conversation about death. And there's a couple of scenes like this. Uh, suddenly, they're uh-huh. in a war zone, and Megan has rifles aimed at her. She heals, hurts, destroys, but all the while remains very deep about it. Uh, there yes. are birds fluttering in front of her face at one point. Uh, she uh, has a helmet on. There's all kinds of imagery happening to, to titillate and excite you. Uh, she wakes up inside a tree. Thinks back to some romantic entanglement she'd been in that didn't look to end all that well, and she lays naked on a bed and cries so much that it fills the room, much like Alice in uh, Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, we're in a bathtub, and uh, she's holding her hippo toy. Inside of its mouth is a river. I just like that. That scene (laughs) I thought was funny. Uh, He's just like, hey, what's going on? She prom- he promises that he and Teacup will always be there for her as long as she has the hippo, I guess. He I guess. Pop open the mouth, and there he is. Uh, but, in re- but in reality, we think, well, I think we're back in reality. River's getting ready to head off to college where he plants to study exobiology, basically plants in space. Uh, he's enrolled at the Florida Institute of Technology, and he's brought a rather psychedelic-looking plant with him. In fact, it has... 
vestiges of those madness paisleys on there. Right? Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, we don't mean that. It's basically a marijuana plant. It looks like a, it, <laughs> yes. looks, it looks unusual. Uh, which uh, you figure his fellow students with a plant major might find odd. This could come up a little bit. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, also, the vase, the pot has an eye on it. Also, Eyeball I, on it. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I assume it's a real one. It's hard to tell. It kind of looks like Shade's eye or, or Megan's mm-hmm. eye. But it's not possible. His mother lays a lot of pressure on him, basically telling him not to screw up because they expect big things from their sunny boy. Yes, and when they leave him alone, the plant is revealed to be Shade. Ooh, there you go. And uh, when asked where she's been, she gives us a rundown. She's been at a renaissance fair. She's been bar hopping. She's been eating donuts with uh, (laughs) that look to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. now, this is all done to show that she doesn't understand impulse control and that there's a bit of dissonance between her uh, avian instincts and her new human body or her now human body. It's not exactly new I, I, anymore. I like this this page, too. Her with kind of like different looking different, kind of hanging out with the people. I don't know. It wasn't like yeah, a, it was like a decent one. It didn't blow me away, but I kind of like the idea of her carousing around and wearing a stupid hairstyle like this. And it kind of uh, it kind of made me remember the the, the first series because uh, there was a lot of that her just being in a crowd of people where she's yeah. very much an outsider but surrounded by other people. Yeah, it's you're right about that. We'll we'll get to it later on, I guess. Yes. Now then we shift to a riot, which thankfully doesn't take any political sides. It just shows that both sides are angry yeah. and they both feel that they're right. We're all uh, mad. Listen to me now. You're that, wrong. We're right. Yeah. That's the way comics should handle it. <laughs> uh, then we move into vices. Maybe body issues. It seems Maybe that way. Both. Um, we see her pushing a stack of chips for gambling, and then we see her standing in front of a mirror, and the, it's actually two mirrors. One has a perfect altered reflection, like as though it's gone through uh, some sort of cosmetic surgery. Yep. Nice puffy lips, uh, full bosom. Uh, then the next uh, reflection is more emaciated. Uh, you see the ribs and sunken, sallowed face. Yeah, both look pretty gross, and I think that. Is probably the idea. I think so, too. <laughs> Back in River's dorm, he and Megan are Skyping, FaceTiming, whatevering with Teacup. And she informs Shay that she appears to be in the midst of an existential crisis. Ah, uh, existentialism, the bastion of deep teenagers. Oh, am I right here, right? They read a little mm-hmm. bit Descartes. They think they know it all. Right? <laughs> Nihilism cannot be far behind. To get the, once they get to Nietzsche, it'll all make sense. Yes, it will. Uh, Teacup suggests Shade will find an alien support group. Uh, that's not going to happen. So we got to mention the DEO, which is the Department of Extra Normal Operations in the DC Universe, which has taken a big front seat since that Supergirl show came out. Oh, okay. I don't, know if, that, I, don't know, I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, basically she works for the DEO. Her sister. It, it all it all surrounds the DEO. So I've noticed mm. it, I've noticed it being a lot more prevalent than DC books since. And I don't know if that informs this so much, but gotcha. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because. Uh, that's uh, from the Chase uh, series from the late 90s with uh, Cameron oh, yeah. Chase. She worked for the DEO and worked for Mr. Bones and all that stuff. So I, I, a, I remember I remember DEO going back at least into the books in the 90s, if not earlier. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's a uh, big comeback. <laughs> yes, and uh, just another tie to the main DC universe. We got Green Lantern rings and we've got the this, DEO. That's right, yeah. Now, River has a visitor, a male visitor, who inquires who the girl is. River tells him, eh, she's just a friend. And that's a, a nice Bismarck key that's song. That's right. I was just thinking, <laughs> <laughs> you think she's just a friend. There you go. 
<laughs> There's an obvious attraction between River and this visitor, because of course there is. Uh, back in the madness world, Rack and Megan are standing on a giant checkerboard. I'm glad it wasn't chess. Uh, all this is going on while disembodied hands play checkers. Uh, more... The profound things are said, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about this beforehand. I, I have to believe, and the fact that they're playing checkers and not chess is, informs that more for me that this is purposely vapid. I hope so. You know, in, with what what I used to call thin sights. You know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. meaningless mm-hmm. platitudes yes. and stuff. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I am right now giving the benefit of the doubt to that to be that. <laughs> Now we hop back to River, and he and that cute boy from earlier are in class, and they're being lectured by a fella in an ASEA suit. If you remember, they popped up toward the end of the last volume. Uh, we they were they're the kind of it's a knockoff NASA logo basically. Yeah. Uh, now they're talking, they're being talked to about undocumented extraterrestrials and how to go about reporting one. Thankfully, they don't mention building a wall, and please don't mention building a wall, please. Don't mention building a wall. Yeah. Uh, we have no reason to think it'll go that way since they did handle the political if the page before with a very, you know. Fingers are crossed. So, you know, to be, you got to stay positive. You can't you can go. Although I, <laughs> as, as we know from Milk Wars, I, can I still got the taste it. of milk in my mouth. You're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've regretted it plenty of times before, but uh, I still got to I still got to go that way. Now, there's the backup, which Chris is uh, uh, legally. Uh, not able to read, but uh, this my one, contract one, my contract wraps up after 20 pages. Exactly, you can't, yeah. you can't do anything. I'm union. You, know? <laughs> you, you, you got to pay overtime after that. <laughs> but uh, this one wasn't too bad. It might actually even uh, be important to the story. It's some guys busking, and what looks like a little miniature loma bird or the spirit of a loma. I saw bird. the avian. Yeah. Yeah, it takes takes her down. He puts her in a cage, feeds her. They're doing drugs, and while they're all zonked out, the bird pecks a hole in his chest crawls into his rib cage and, and throws madness paisleys around and that turns him into a killer bird. He kills his girlfriend. He grows like a scary beak. Um, don't know if that's useful for the story, <laughs> but I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was uh, alright enough. You know, that would have made a pretty hmm. good uh, Outer Limits episode. I don't see why not. Sure. But uh, yeah, so that, that was the end of our first foray into the new season of Shade the Changing Woman. What did you think of that, Chris? Eh, um, <laughs> I, I, it's, it stinks because uh, the first run was, uh, that, that was our solid book. And, yeah. uh, this, uh, and I'm hoping you're right about the, the vapidness here and the, uh, the, you know, the, was it the, the bottom, the bottom jaw sticking out, uh, kind of profound, uh, philosophical insights here, right. insights, as you put it. It's, uh, I'm hoping that that is, I'm hoping that that's the way they're going, but, uh, I don't know that it is, uh, especially after reading the the Milk Wars uh, chapter, right? Where that was uh, very what you see is what you get. It was and, it uh, was it was it was a very obvious uh, you know statement being yeah. made with no not a lot of subtlety. It was agenda driven and yeah. no subtlety. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this is an introduction to subtlety, but I am not convinced yet. I hear you. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know if they think their audience is disaffected teens and that this would be pandering to them, I'm gonna be twice as mad. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that's just fucked up. That's just that's like underestimating kids and assuming that they're the same name, the, the same shoegazing, cure listening, uh, 
person that you are. But but now I'm really you know taking a lot of liberties. We got to see where this goes to get a hold on it. I think. Uh, and, and this uh, this does kind of evoke feelings of proto vertigo, which is what I was hoping for initially, but only in that I think it's breeding a different kind of fan that uh, will look down their nose at everything that isn't this. Um, I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I could be yeah. nudged up to 6 because the art was great. Um, Marley's Arcona is still fantastic. Yeah, on this book, um, he's a really great fit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And like but, I said, uh, that one page with the three panels, I really like the art on there. Sure. Uh, really throughout, it's, it's it's well done, well thought out. The art's great, yeah. And, and for a psychedelic book, it's always pretty well plotted. Uh, mm-hmm. We can we can usually understand 98% of it, which is pretty good, yeah. right? That's not, <laughs> not a yeah. bad percentage. Our, our, our being on Madness time, I'm glad they lampshaded that because uh, I did have some problem with the timeline, but considering the fact that we were on, quote, Madness time, right. it made sense that it was going to be a little, a little uh, hard to traverse. We could allow it to be wonky and except yeah. that the the things in the past had happened in the past at times, you know what I mean? If we, mm-hmm. we didn't know exactly what, what was happening or when it happened. Uh, the, ten, the ties to the DC Universe are really interesting, especially the Green Lantern mm-hmm. ring. Certainly. Uh, I can't wait to see where that goes. Uh, I don't really have any thoughts on it. It's, I, I guess my thoughts are, is, he, is there going to be a Green Lantern in Shade the Changing Woman? Is Or is this going to be a new Green Lantern for the DCU? Uh, we don't know. I wonder, because, uh, you know, we uh, when we did our uh, Young Animal 100 episode back in the day, uh-huh. we, we had uh, some Green Lantern in with Shade the Changing Girl. So I wonder if Whoa. maybe they uh, they listened to our episode and are, are getting us going here. I'm going to say they definitely did, Chris. Uh, it's got to be. Definitely, be. definitely did. Uh, I wish I would have. We, we should have trademarked it. We, we should have said original idea. Do not steal. <laughs> yeah. Or at least throw it as a pitch, right? Be like, if you guys yes. make it to 100, here you go. Uh, yeah. In fact, you can have it because if you make it to 100, yes, we, I will be more shocked than anyone else. But uh, <laughs> especially Doom Patrol, if we're still living, oh. if that gets there. Anyway, but uh, I'm going to give this. I'm going to go the same way with you. 5.5. I'll tell you what. When I really thought about this book after reading it and reading it now with you. I even liked it a little bit better. I'm not saying I think so too. Yeah, I'm not I saying so I was too. in love with it, but I, I started to appreciate aspects of it. But I really put this at like a five out of ten, you know, a real one. Yeah, right. not not the yeah. right about middle of the road with with a more of a nod to art and the story is sort of like we're sort of in a pilot episode here. I'm it looks like to me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I don't want to give it a fuck you five because no, I, I don't feel not. mad at it. So let's give it no. an extra half a point and uh, you know. Unlike Milk Wars, where I came out swinging, oh. hopeful, this is a score that might get better in hindsight if the story sure. uh, plays out in a, in a way that we'd like it to play out. But obviously, that would be true uh, of any comic of any book. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah. I start I start these at seven, and then I work up or down. Uh, so fair enough. It, it's not a far fall from seven, but no. it's uh, it's not it's not. It's not higher than seven either. Yeah, and and it's it's on the positive side of you know garbage. So yeah, that's, that's yes. I, I would say if you read Shade the Change of Girl and you liked it, well then I definitely give this a look because it it's try, it's, sure. it's the same vibe. It is continuing the story even though it's we still have questions to answer, but that's fine. We, we could have expected that. So mm-hmm. uh, not a horrible outing, mm-hmm. I would say. It's funny that we can be positive about a five point five. But that's where we are in this world, right? <laughs> the lowest score of the week. I know. We're just like, ah, you know, it's 5.5, but, you know, it's better than a punch in the face. It's nice. It is. Um, <laughs> next week, uh, Eternity Girl number one, the brand new book, probably. I don't 
can't guarantee <laughs> that at the juncture of this recording, but it's that's what's uh, scheduled. So uh, I'm writing the review for that. We'll do the segment on Young Animal, but we mm-hmm. uh, don't know what to expect totally. What we saw in the Milk Wars wasn't really enticing. Nor no, was it very it informative, though. So Also true. Also true. <laughs> we'll find out what the heck this is supposed to be next week. But uh, Chris, the, our muckraking uh, on-the-street reporter, has dug up some, um, <laughs> some <laughs> news. There you go. <laughs> we got breaking young animal news. Uh, Gerard Way is still can't be bothered to pick up a pen. Um, <laughs> it looks like his uh, never-ending vacation is going to continue because Doom Patrol be delayed, yo. Yeah, that's right. Yes, again. Still. I know. How many weeks is this? How many, how many, how many delays is this now? Um, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Did we uh, maybe got through like the first three issues without a delay? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, just for, oh, this, for one this one issue. book. Just for oh, this it's one like issue. three or four. It's three or four I, delays it's, just it's, for this I book. Think, I think we're yeah. at four. I think we're at three this year. Yikes. And then one last year because it was supposed to come out in November, right? Yes. Because uh, yes, this is a prelude to Milk Wars. I know. That's <laughs> that is the sickest thing about it. And twelve is like officially out of the out of this block. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the next Doom Patrol is due now, April fourth. Uh huh. No promises. I did see on Twitter, uh, Nick Darrington was was drawing another panel of Doom Patrol, which by the way had Casey Brink and Robot Man as Robot Man in it, so he could be giving away something. Mm. But considering when that issue comes out, we may Lord only knows we maybe actually be blind and unable to read by then. We could be you know old infirm men. <laughs> Have to get the, have to get the orderly to read it to us. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not really too worried about what the future Doom Patrol. Just give me no. that one issue, and we can call it quits after that. You know, yeah, like, let, let us just close the book on this. Please, please. you know, like if I can at least put a capstone on it and figure out what happened exactly to Terry Nunn. Oh, that yeah. is what the country needs to know. But mm-hmm. uh, interesting, the developments in this in this shade though, as in terms of uh, connectivity to the DC, were definitely intriguing. Yes. Uh, I think that is what's really shaken out of Milk Wars, I guess, is that possibility. Uh, yeah, there, there, there could be some crossover or some organic crossover without any kind of uh, yeah. without any kind of hoops going through or anything. Well, yeah, we, we don't want to have Superman show up every third issue and let's check in on everybody, you know what I mean? No, we sure don't. But and, we, it, and we don't want her showing up in Superman either. I, uh, less, <laughs> less so do I want that. But, you know, if Shade is going to, you know, go to the Fortress of Solitude for some, I mean, it could work. I don't know. I don't know how that would happen, but there it is. <laughs> but anyway, Chris, I think that's all we got from this week. Chris, go got anything else for him i sure don't well (laughs) until next week folks try to keep it young and animalistic how lovely to be a woman the wait was well worthwhile how lovely to wear mascara and smile a woman's smile how lovely to have a
everybody. Welcome back to the Young Animal segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we have one brand new, brand spanking new mm-hmm. Young Animal title. It is the debut issue of Eternity Girl, written by Magdalene Visaggio, art by Sonny Liu and Ch- Chris Chukri. Mm. Uh, this, of course, was, we got introduced to this in the backups to Milk Wars. Uh, which we couldn't make most of the backups in Young Animal couldn't make heads or tail of. So uh, that factored nothing at all into my feelings no. <laughs> on this. I, I, I didn't understand what was happening. I Now, having read this, I understand a little bit more about what the backups were trying to do, but mm. just so you know, not a prerequisite for reading this issue. Don't no. worry about it if you miss them. So let's meet Caroline Sharp. She's an Olympic gymnast. She's got two master's degrees, and she operated as a superhero known as Chrysalis. This was while she was employed by Alpha 13, which we have to assume is a clandestine government organization of some description, right? That, that would probably that would yeah. be my guess, some sort of a faux uh, CIA or something, one that would employ genetically enhanced heroes and such. That's sort of a group, right? A, uh, you know, hoary secret uh, military, paramilitary group. So yeah. right right now, Caroline's telling her therapist about the last time she committed suicide, and it was when she jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, a monthly routine. Mm-hmm. Caroline is quite disfigured, and uh, I guess we could probably call her Eternity Girl at this point, or uh, Element Woman, if we're uh, going by her, <laughs> where, where uh, a lot of this story feels like here. Yeah. Um, now, uh, half, of her, half of her is blue and looks crystalline in appearance. Her right arm and feet are these creepy-looking red talons, and she also zaps some sort of magic science-y stuff that uh, the kids are into these days. Uh, now, seems she acquired these powers and this hideous appearance during her final fight with her arch enemy, Madam Adam, which uh, rhymes. Uh, not long, yeah, that, that that's clever. I'll give it that much. Uh, not long after that, the incident happened. Caroline inadvertently killed a bunch of her colleagues with powers in a fit of rage. And since ever since, she's been on leave from Alpha 13. And so, this is also why she is regularly seeing her therapist. See, it all comes back. Now it all explains itself. Uh, now, Caroline, uh, Caroline wants to kill herself, but she cannot die. She's cut herself. She has no blood to bleed. She's tried to hang herself. Found she doesn't even need to breathe, really. And she stepped out into traffic, and the car got totaled, and she was fine. Uh, she can also shapeshift to hold human form with some difficulty. So, on a subway ride home, she tries that. But she's having trouble... Connecting with the human race in, a, in many ways right now. Uh, she is in that human form when her pal Danny drops by. That's a lady Danny with an eye uh, with a cake with cake and vodka, which that's not a good mix, is it, Chris? Probably not. Would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't put those two together, quite frankly. But okay. No. Uh, Danny is hip to Caroline's real form, though, and tells her to stop shapeshifting. She's very concerned about Caroline's well-being. She's like. She's she's kind of spiraling into a depression, but Caroline just comes across sort of numb to it all, which actually is sort of the way you are in depression. Uh, Danny gives Caroline a pep talk, says she'll be back to work uh, for Alpha 13 in no time. And the very next day, Caroline meets up with the director of Alpha 13 to discuss that just that very thing. And, uh, you know, she has been on leave for six months now. Now, despite her attempts to keep it together, the director maintains that she should not be allowed back into the division, though he acknowledges the fact that they created her horrible condition. 
And so she flips out on the boss, but uh, doesn't do anything too drastic. Yeah, she loses her human form and screams, but she walks out. And he actually he actually keeps his cool. You get the impression, like... Uh, this is a regular this occurrence. Is, this or is not uncommon. No. Or, you know, he, this is sort of his job to uh, remain cool under superhero pressure. Uh, at home later, uh, Caroline cuts herself. Nothing happens. She meditates and dissipates into pure form. No longer human, which is a nice trick. Then she checks her cell phone for any messages. She's Caroline's bored and lonely is the point here. She has nothing. She doesn't know what to do with herself. Just then the ghost of or a projected mental image of Madam Adam appears and tells Caroline to stop her moping. Uh, she calls Caroline Chrysalis because that's how I guess she knows her best from having battled her in uh, whatever. Battles. In her superhero days. Yeah. Right. Uh, she's also a skeleton, which wasn't the case before she died based on pictorial evidence. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's her post dead look. Yes, yeah, she was a flesh and something yeah. human, I guess. Yeah, right. Humanoid. Uh, <laughs> now, they have an ethereal and fairly pleasant conversation about the realities of their business. Then, Madam Adam suggests that Caroline could kill herself if she kills time and space entirely. Madam Adam shoves Caroline through several planes of, we're going to say, realities? I, it, but like, who knows? It's, it's weird stuff either some way, stuff, but uh, she's shoved through things. planes. <laughs> Now, Caroline wakes up on her bathroom floor, empty bottle of vodka behind her, and she pukes in the toilet. I told you, cake and vodka, not a good mix, folks. Not a good mix. Uh, later on, Caroline meets Danny for lunch at a sidewalk cafe called Gelso and Grand. Danny's very supportive about Caroline not getting back with Alpha 13 now, just like a good friend. After a while, Caroline says, I am not real, and her body dissipates in green smoke. But then she's back, and after everyone around her turns briefly to skeletons, a Mack truck careens and slams into Danny and Caroline, who are eating outside. Uh, flashback to Caroline talking with Madam Adam during that ghost dalliance. Uh, she agrees to destroy space and time with the condition that she, Caroline, will definitely die. Uh, I think that was the deal, it seems. Anyway, the Earth resets hmm. itself at this point now when Caroline dies, and they're back to eating at the sidewalk cafe, and Caroline is feeling much more chipper about things. So, not 100% sure what mm. happened there at the end there, Chris. It looks like, <laughs> no. though, if Caroline, Caroline is the linchpin for the timeline, we'll say, right? Or or this re, uh, a reality. Maybe, yeah. And if maybe. she dies, the reality changes, or maybe she can flip a mental switch. Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's almost like a... Uh, Oh, God, what am I? I think of a million things, and I can't think of one name of them. Uh, like a Groundhog's Day, you know what I mean? Like, you always get a sure. chance to redo your to redo your last uh, thing. And there's a lot of things like this. But uh, what did you think about it, Chris? Um, didn't hate it, didn't love it, thought it was boring, thought it was confusing. Mm. Um, and it's unoriginal. Uh, right. This is uh, very much like a, uh, a Sandman arc uh, with Element Woman, I remember who was this, trying yeah. to kill herself, and she couldn't maintain a human form, and she wore masks. Right. Um, and ultimately, she made a deal with death and was able to die. Uh, it's very much like that. Um, you know, I, I you know this whole thing with her being the linchpin. I I hate the idea of introducing a new character and making them the center of the universe. Right. That feels like a very present year Marvel thing, uh, especially especially um, knowing now that these universes are connected. You know, to, exactly because this, you're is, off this your is the same universe thing, that yeah, yeah Darkseid <laughs> is in this universe, Metron's in right, this universe, all right. these powerful things. But 
friggin' Eternity Girl is the linchpin. Maybe, Kiss my ass. Maybe they decided this is a, this is a uh, easy way to do reboots. They'll just they'll, they'll just they'll just <laughs> they'll Eternity just Girl. And they'll be like, Eternity oh no, girl. yeah, that happened four realities ago in Eternity Girl. Sorry, we didn't we didn't get to. Yeah, and I don't like that she when she's talking to her uh, to her director there, she's talking about how undangerous she is, and they're showing signs of her being dangerous. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's like okay, <laughs> you are dangerous. Uh, it just I, the whole thing just rubs me wrong, and the very nonchalant and dismissive way they're just. Dis- I'm not a guy who gets triggered but i mean this whole thing with like oh suicide you know i tried that whole thing where you know you throw the toaster in the bathtub shtick it's like it's like you know people have killed themselves this way that is an interesting point i I remember not too long ago although when i really think about it it was longer ago that i like to admit that remember that uh when uh palmiati and connor first did uh harley quinn remember this and they wanted um, I can't remember yes, all the details, t- yeah. but but there was one where a page where Harley was going to do a bunch of uh, ways of killing herself, killing herself. and uh, they pretty much people had that cut before it was even ever seen, just yep. because of the reference. Uh, and I haven't seen any clamor about this thing, which is directly about a, a suicidal main character. But uh, and I, I definitely people read it probably. I definitely agree with you that at face value, what we're getting here, this isn't the most original story. This is. Uh, you know, another kind of also deconstruction of the superhero trope. And we uh, don't get those nearly enough. Exactly. We got plenty of those. Uh, this has reminiscent to the Black Hammer. Kind of, and I remember the arc you're talking about in Sandman. It's very similar to that, even down to the cutting and there being no blood, I believe. Like yep. I, yeah, I, I remember so. a scene where it was kind of cool. She kind of opens her arm and it looks like she cut a ham, basically, or something like that. I think uh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I definitely remember the mask and the mask slipping at dinner and stuff like this. It was good art. All that being said, though, I'm, uh, you know, you you're leaning towards not liking. I'm leaning towards liking. You know, we're we're hmm. sort of pivoting from the same point <laughs> and just leaning two different ways. I uh, I thought this was definitely intriguing, kept me interested. I liked the one thing I liked is the way the story unfolded in within this issue, which we couldn't really do in the recap because it's told over. You know, kind of in hindsight, you know what I mean? It, it, and, yeah. You know, from like the beginning, the therapist thing is sort of like a, a little bit of backstory. Then you get a little bit more. It gets teased out over time, you know, and uh, the implications of like the battling of battling Madam Adam, which is a good name. That that is. Uh, it is. That'll shocked get... that wasn't hasn't been used before in comics. To be honest with you, uh, I I, I it, to me this is something that has the potential to be interesting you know it's uh it's got me intrigued it's not uh you know fascinating but it's definitely got me intrigued to want to read the next issue where it goes how closely it follows other comics will determine of course whether this is a worthwhile comic visually i have no real problems or accolades to give it uh i'd say it looks fine especially in the in the young animal pantheon it's not yeah i really just have no no complaints or great things to say yeah. about it. Either way, it's 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 there's nothing really wrong with it. It's not. This wouldn't be the problem with the book if you were to say uh, this book had problems. So uh, mm. yeah, I I ended up thinking it was pretty good, and I gave it a I think a fairly positive seven point five out of ten. Where do you think you would land on it? 
I'd land closer to a six, I think. I don't want to be too uh, dismissive of it, but at yeah. the same time, I mean, after reading, you know, the new uh, the new volume of Shade and how that is kind of fallen, and then this is similar in tone, to yeah. me at least, it just, it makes me feel like this young animal imprint is headed straight down the toilet. Uh, I hate to be, you know, <laughs> extreme about it, but yeah. it's like, since Milk Wars happened, we've had Shade, and now we have this. And it's just like, wow, I mean, did it change or did I change? It's, <laughs> there's, there's been a change You've here. grown a lot in the last year, Chris. I don't think, I I guess, think maybe, right? the, uh, maybe the heady poetry of last year is no longer your best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, I just don't – I don't know uh, – I just don't know. It's I'm not as optimistic about the line anymore where I used to be. Even yeah. when we read like those like almost incomprehensible issues of Bug, oh so we God. still stayed uh, we still stayed somewhat optimistic about the future. Oh God! But, uh, until issue four, <laughs> then then the optimism drained out of that. Thing. Well, then it just became fun to like, <laughs> pick apart. God, yeah, we did have a good time doing that much, but three or four, but uh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I really do hear you, and I think I think what you're saying is valid, and I think that just the fact that it rubs you the wrong way is a valid you know thing to say as hmm. well. Uh, you know, it's just uh, you, you're looking at it, you're you're not seeing as much potential. I'm seeing you know to be potential for yes. something good, but it, it could go either way, is what it is right now. What sure, we have, it could be the best thing, it could be the yeah, worst thing. We really we really have uh, you know a very uh, piloty issue here and not even one of those old school piloty issues that give you like an info dump where you, you know, sure. Uh, you know so much about the character by the end of the first issue. People used to actually know who the character was at the end of the first issue of comics, believe it <laughs> or not. That used to be a thing. Uh, yes. But uh, yeah, anyway, you know, obviously we're going to keep on marching on with this book as it comes out and see what happens with it. I was glad to see it didn't have a backup that is it, true. It did have a bunch of other, you know, classic young animal nonsense, a letter from Gerard Way or whatever. and what blah, blah, blah. He wrote a letter? Something. Did he have time know. to write a letter? I, I, well, I, he might have dictated it. I don't know. Maybe he maybe he made uh, he wrote a letter to press on a T-shirt, and then they just printed the letter. That's, what I, that's how it was. That's how you can see the rest <laughs> of the letter. No, I think it was like when I was a kid and I had to send a letter in for school. My uh, my dad would make me write it, and he would sign it. That was, that's the way Gerard Way did it. So Magdalene Visaggio wrote it. And he she wrote it. it. She said, "This is a you can't wait to read this great book." Anyway, uh, so we we will see where Eternity Girls go. Ger, Eternity Girl goes mm-hmm. uh, for the next six months. If for the next six months at least, I would say yeah, but and probably <laughs> probably that's it. But we'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, I mean uh, to be honest with Young Animal, I don't know that. Well, this is a six issue mini, right? Is it? Did it say six issue mini? I didn't see. It. I could have sworn. I already, I, I, already, sworn. I already dumped it right after we finished ah. talking about it. So uh, that's quite. That's you. You might be right about that. that that's yeah, that wasn't an indictment on on it being canceled. But but it also was... but, but with Young Animal though, it seems like whether they keep a book going or not, it seems irrespective of the shipping numbers. Uh, that's true. Whether they have like a secret trade sales algorithm or it's doing great in digital or they just don't care. I don't know what it is. So <laughs> that, you know, a popularity will, I feel like will not have a bearing on whether this book becomes an ongoing, but we don't know. That's sure. a, that is what we call wild speculation at this point. Indeed. Uh, speaking of wild speculation, don't worry about getting the uh, variant cover of this book. It's not going to be rare. So uh, next <laughs> week we do have a young animal book. We do. Uh, it is. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to this one, Chris. Cave Carson, 
as an interstellar eye number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cave Carson, one of one of our favorite series. I was uh, going to say, I think this is the one I was looking forward to most. Yeah, uh, you know, well, at one time I might have said Doom Patrol, but I guess that's over. <laughs> that's this this is, really is the. That I'll be honest, you know, sale. I am. I am also very curious about Mother Panic, man. Mother Panic to me is a comic that we still don't like, but has become a sleeper hit it's, in yeah. my mind because we we Absolutely. had discounted it so much, you know. Uh, yes, that one did come around, and it was also the star of Milkwood. The star of Milkwood, and, and it turns out to be just the most flat-out readable comic. Just like, absolutely, here's a comic you can read from front to back and understand. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just curious as like on a, a purely reviewer and you know pre- reading this line level to see what that book's going to be. If that's if that's going to go further and bring out your favorite character find of 2018 ferret fox <laughs> let's hope uh we'll find out but anyway that's 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 in two weeks i guess next week is cape carson interstellar mm-hmm. eye and we will be back to talk about that one but i think that's all we got from this week chris got anything else for him nope that'll do it well until next time folks i want you to keep it young and animalistic See, when I was a young boy up in the South Bronx, I never carried a gun. Was knocking out chumps, punks, all faggots, plus sisters and creeps. You get in my face, Jack, I lead you out in the streets with no weapons, y'all. Not a chance. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and we have for you one count them one book to read this week as we have for the last few weeks yes and uh this week it is cave carson has an interstellar eyed number one written by john rivera art by michael avon oming nick filardi and paul maybury who does the backup uh so now we're back with meet cave carson again uh, in a well-appointed and grandiose mansion, a golden butler robot scurries around anxiously. He looks sort of like the character from the video game Katamari Damacy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the prince. Yeah, the, the, exactly. <laughs> it kind of has like a uh, pill for a head or whatever, because like an oblong head. Uh, some guests are expected, and the butler robot wants everything ship-shaped. So he swings open, uh, swings open the door to receive his guests, and they come zooming in the mighty mole, like zooming, smashing into the uh, front lawn or whatever. Destroying a statue, and it's Cave Carson, Chloe, and Doctor Mark Barstow. No uh, wild dog this time. If you remember, this is uh, Doctor Mark Barstow was Cave Carson's mentor on in in our in his reality, and they picked up an alternate Mark Barstow from another reality in the in the previous. You just got to read the previous volume for more information. He's the one who wrote like the 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 rocks are cool textbook or something, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, he he <laughs> he was. They had backups by Mark Barstow for a while, but this isn't that Mark Barstow. This is one from another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect sense. Yeah, you got to read that previous volume and then uh, maybe you figure it out. Uh, Cave apologizes for smashing the statue. The butler bot says it's okay. The master changes the fountain every month. He uses his cybernetic eye to open a portal somewhere. He can park the mighty mole, which shows us that the cybernetic eye has that power now to open 
interdimensional uh, portals thanks to the pink shards. Again, a lot of this was covered in the last volume, so uh, you're going to have to check that out. Now, inside the mansion, Chloe gushes over getting to meet pop star and celebrity Star Adam. Now, this is an old friend of Caves that she didn't want to hear about when she was a teenager. Because, you know, she was a teenager. She didn't want to hear anything about no. uh, the old man's friends. And to be fair, the sign on her door did say no dads. So That is true. Very that clear. is true. <laughs> <laughs> now, we meet Star Adam, and he's a giant dude that looks kind of like Prince wearing a shimmering golden robe. Except, you know, we said he's giant. He is gigantic. We're talking like 30 feet tall here. Yeah. He's a big dude. Mm. Uh, and it also looks like he's not wearing anything under that robe, though, yeah. in fairness. It's probably hard to find things in that size. That's probably true. And, <laughs> and thank you to Michael Avon Oming. We don't actually have to find out. So No, no. It's it's nicely shadowed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> now, since Cave last saw a star, he's been expanding. He's, you know, an actual star, you see. You know, like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, Star, right. Out of Space, Star, Star, <laughs> Star. Then it's time for supper. Yeah, it looks like for dinner it's uh, pink feathers on commemorative plates of Star Adam and his band. Mm-hmm. Uh, star apologizes, says he gave up food in the 90s, and now meals for them have become largely conceptual. But uh, Chloe wolfs it down with, uh, you know, glee, so it must not be too bad. Star tells Chloe she's the spitting image of her mother, Mazra, and uh, also knows Dr. Mark Barstow, although that would be the other, the, the universe we're in now. version. version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know how to, how to put such a thing. <laughs> uh, though this version did meet the star atom of his universe, and he says that he and Cape have calculated their realities are like 87% similar. He says it's like we've seen different cuts of the same film, which I thought. That's a good way to put it. Makes for some interesting conversations. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Chloe lights up a weird-looking pipe and asks to to hear how Cave and Star met, and seems that Cave, Mazra, and Mark held a Star Adam concert in the underground city of Muldrug back in the younger days. They called themselves the Underground Underground. Very, very good. This is all has the tincture of the late 60s, right? Yeah, for sure. But... In theory, it really couldn't be, if you think about well. it, because <laughs> Chloe, you know, uh, you know, they would be 60, 70 years yeah, old. Chloe's anyway. not 50. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, this is the idea. It's, it's definitely taken from a late 60s look. Uh, they partake of some night pudding. That's the Muldrugan LSD. They took it again in the previous volume. And Star Adam has a bad trip. He freaks out and reveals that he's an actual star. Since then, Cave kept his secret and they've remained friends. But Cave wants to know why Star wants to see him now. You see, Star is dying. His body will continue to expand until he goes supernova. And he'd rather do this implosion out in space, and Cave is glad to help him out. Uh, Star has a spaceship for them to use, since he's way too big for the Mighty Mole. So they load him in, and they take off. Chloe and Star have a heart-to-heart in the hold of the spaceship. He's hoping to take root and start over elsewhere, which uh, we guess is a thing that stars sure. can do. Right? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Suddenly, he is struck by a sharp pain. The trip is more taxing on him than, than it was expected. He sings his song, Chloe, which is where Chloe got her name, despite it actually being about Star Adam's dog. Yeah, well. uh, so Chloe was named after a dog. Uh, then he dies. Uh, elsewhere on the ship, Cave is crying, and Chloe comes over to console him. Cave's thinking about all the people he's lost through the years, and bad bad timing to think about that, because Chloe says she's sorry that Star Adam is gone. And Cave freaks out. He, he was supposed to you know, know when Star Adam 
passed on, there's only a short time to eject him from the ship before he implodes right in their faces. So they do that, and this implosion causes all a kind of backdraft that sucks all the space junk around Earth into it. With some split-second timing, Cave opens a portal to Mighty Mole Garage with his cybernetic eye and essentially shoves everyone into it, uh, and uh, they escape, and they've survived. And it's cool because you see it's like a garage. You're right. Yeah. Like the mighty balls there, and there's just like some oil on the ground and like tools around. Yeah, it. Nice wooden floor. It's like yeah. it's like the the uh, garage dimension that they've created. But when we leave the book, the Earth may not survive. It looks like uh, mm. the implosion is a little too close to the Earth. In the backup, which both of us actually read, or at least I read, you guys. Yes. You looked at it, I which is more than you usually do. Uh, <laughs> It was cool, and, and and they referenced it earlier in the book, uh, a podcast that apparently Chloe and Cave have. Well, that's how it, the last volume ended, too, because Cave was wondering what he's going to do. He's like, eh, maybe I'll start a podcast. Oh, so there you go. So th- this is it. They've started a podcast where they, essentially mm-hmm. he's talking about his Silver Age uh, adventures and elaborating on them. It's not like a, it's not like what we do on Cosmic Treadmill, just yeah. an old comic, but, you know, it's uh, it was cool. I'm not going to go deeply into it unless I feel like as we go along it becomes... Uh, you know, Effect. affecting yeah. the main story, but it it's cool to see. I liked it, and uh, yeah, I really don't have much more to say about that. The art was good on that too. Everything looked pretty good in this book to me. What do you think, Chris? I liked it, and and I'm actually flipping through it now. And I uh, when uh, when Star Adam gets ejected, he is wearing a rather sizable banana banana hammock. Oh so right, well that's he, good. <laughs> he, did, he wasn't going commando, which well, I guess is a good thing. Well, he has uh, a, a little bit of uh, shame there. That's nice. Yes. No, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. This uh, gave me a bit of a uh, a bit of hope for the imprint again. I really enjoyed this. Uh, it felt. It felt like it could have been um, Cave Carson number 13. It was yeah. a nice continuation from what we got. Uh, wasn't a dramatic shift art-wise or narrative-wise. It was just a, a fun romp. Uh, it, it was great to see uh, Michael yeah. Ivanoving and, oh, oh, and Nick sure. Filardi back. I think, actually, uh, they even went a little harder on this issue than a lot of them. They, you know, I don't know whether they had more time or they wanted to make a bang, but Nick Filardi's colors especially were just oh, beautiful. popping out of there on some of these mm-hmm. pages. And not just the psychedelic ones where it's always crazy, but even the regular pages. Just so, standard. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it looks great. If you, you know, And I'll tell you, this is the kind of book, very stylized. Look at the preview pages if you're curious about it or flip through it at the store. You'll know at a glance if it's something that you want to look at. But yeah. uh, if it resonates with you, this stuff looks really good. It's... Uh, I, just, I I like it a lot. Uh, I I liked it. I, I liked it upon first read, but upon other successive reads to do reviews and do this uh, segment, I liked it even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a good time. This is just a cool little story. And and what I wrote in my review is it's a cool one-off story. But then I remembered uh, the last volume, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> and I said at least I hope it's a one-off story. If we're dealing yeah. with the ramifications of this one event for twelve more issues. I could see it dragging up. Yeah. yeah. But we don't know if that's going to happen. And I and I hope it doesn't. I hope it's more like the sequential adventures of, of Cave Carson and Friends, you know, like. Sure. Maybe. Just reality hopping, picking up people, dropping people. That, yeah, exactly. It'd be a lot of fun. Fight some aliens, you know, get a get a sick fungal sickness, whatever the hell it is. But uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I gave me, like you say, it gave me not just a lot of hope for the line, but a lot of hope for this book. Uh, going forward, that it's going to be a, a good time. I think that uh, John Rivera. Also, did you notice that it wasn't uh, that this was happening in the last volume too? It wasn't John Rivera with Gerard Way anymore. 
Yeah, he, uh, Gerard, Gerard was booted. He is not. I mean, he's still the curator of the imprint on the uh, title page, but yeah. the first, at least I think the first six issues, right, it was... At the, least the first six, the, yeah. The two of them, you know, but were... were, we're listed as, as co-writers, as yeah. co-writers, or it was like Gerard Way's story, John Rivera's script, something script. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not on this at all, so... Uh, that explains why it came out. That's why we're reading it for one thing, <laughs> but also, but also, uh, you know, it, he's got a hundred percent hold on the, on this character and what what he wants to do, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him do it, hopefully mm-hmm. on a regular basis. What do you think you'd give this if you were pressed to do so, Chris? Well, one one more bit about the art, uh, okay. folks. Folks who know me know that I hate reading things digital. Yeah, reading things digitally really takes me out of it. But these pages look. Phenomenal yeah, digital. They really do. I mean, even on the screen, they pop out. It's really, really nice. So, uh, print, digital, whatever you want, this is good stuff. Um, I know what you gave it, and I would give it a similar score. Okay. I, uh, I, you gave it an eight. I'd give it an eight as well. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it, it rises up from my average seven for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, we still have our reservations, which it's not fair to judge this based on reservations that may or may not come out. But uh, I hate giving this something higher than an eight uh, because it just seems, I don't know, it seems kind of cheap to do that. Yeah, you know, I, I've stuck my foot in it plenty of times doing it that way, too. So uh, I know what you mean. You don't want to give it a nine or an eight, you know, an eight point. I, I definitely felt like this when I did the score that I was, okay, usually we vacillate a half a half a point, you know. Yeah, for sure. uh, and I went. I was more reserved instead of more positive. I did an eight out of ten. Also, uh, could have gone eight point five if, if I knew what the future and everything held for this book. But uh, you know, eight is a lovely score. That tells me that that's a buy. Whatever you want to call it, a buy. Five stars. What do you, what, what are they, whatever the other podcasts do, you know, it's a not avoid. It's a it's a thumbs up. You know, we're giving it the old nod and the wink and. Uh, Definitely. I mean, I'll say if you like Cape Carson before, I'd imagine you'll go right to this and you'll have no problem with it. It's uh, yeah. great for the fans. But if you avoided Cape Carson before, despite me, despite me talking about the things that happened in the previous volume, I, I'd give it a shot. You know, you might like it. Uh, it's, it's full of weird adventure. It's a very weird book. And, sure. uh, yeah, it's it's got action, good good stuff going on. So I left with a positive feeling. And now we all even have... Another book. We're coming back next week, Chris. Mm-hmm. We are. We are going to. Uh, we're wrapping up the the season two foursome here with uh, Mother Panic A.D. Number one. We've got Mother Panic zapped into the future Gotham from uh, Milk Wars, and uh, we're going to pick up her adventures next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That also was a uh, linchpin of the previous uh, run mm-hmm. of uh, Young Animals. So can't wait to see what that holds. But I do have some. More young animal news, Chris. Uh, hey, regarding, I mean, this is almost, this is really almost comical. Why even bother talking about it? Doom Patrol Eleven is delayed another week. Now it's, no. it's going to be on four eighteen. I mean, they should just bag it at this point. You know, really, I, if what is put a bullet in it. Not, not not only have we gone to the event that was supposed to spin out of it, now we're looking at the books that spin out of that event. I think you yeah, we're going to be in books. the second month of the spin out. <laughs> we, we, we might we might be in the fourth volume of uh, of Young Animal by this by the time this thing comes out. I mean it's 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 really getting stupid. And I got to say again, we don't really know what the delays are about. We we speculate that it's Gerard Way because he's got so many things going on, and Nick Darrington, uh, the artist, looks 
Oh, like he's Looks doing like covers. Keeping busy on, on other I, things. I did see him penciling what was definitely a Doom Patrol panel, a Crazy Jane panel on some, <laughs> some social media. Uh, so, could that possibly be this comic? It almost defies belief that yeah. he could be drawing the comic coming out in four weeks or less now, three weeks. <laughs> But it's coming out the same day as Super as Action Comics 1000. Oh, that'll be a great. That's a great day to be on the shelves for comics. I'm sure. Yes. You know, sheesh. Everyone will be like, oh, I want to. I want to dole out nine to whatever thirty bucks for this, or right. Well, here, why don't I drop four or five bucks on this uh, Doom Patrol that is is now pointless. Uh, you know, if you're reading an animal, mm-hmm. you don't need it. You're done. You know what I it's mean? Done. We, we know what it's... happened, more or less. I I feel so disinterested in it. You know, like. Just, just walk away at this point. Just, yep, <laughs> done and dusted. And, you know, and and if anyone cares, the trade was pushed out another week also. But uh, <laughs> I figured that. I know. It's it's almost like I, I, if this. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this book right now. Uh, the young animal, the weird science young animal segment is putting this book to unscheduled. Okay, yes. when it shows up, we'll review it. That's it. That's I, I I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Ridic- ridiculous, Chris. I can't. I can't anymore with this. It's it's so disappointing. But uh, it is. When was this? When was this book supposed to come out? November. It was supposed to come out. In, we were supposed to get twelve issues. You know, we it actually. You know, Milk Wars. They they kind of like made it spit out of eleven. It was supposed to spit out of twelve. Yes. We were supposed yep, to get the whole did. twelve, and then it was going to be December, and then I I think Milk Wars actually did get pushed out at one point doing it. I might be wrong. Maybe maybe it was always supposed to be February or whatever, but uh, it was going to make a lot more sense, right? You were going to be like only a month out from finishing Doom Patrol. Yep. But now it's it's a mess. It's a total mess. And, so. And imagine if there were no delays. This book would have come out August of last year. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. No, you're right. You're right. If we if we go back to the original, you're 100 percent right. It would have come out August because it would have come out exactly one year around from. Uh, it's September debut in 2015 or 16, I guess, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, it's bad, folks. And, you know, this is, I'm going to get on a soapbox real briefly here, Chris. I saw a certain artist on Twitter last week. I'm not going to name names. It actually wasn't a young animal or DC artist, but it doesn't matter. Uh, say that he's glad that DC is giving extra time for artists to finish their stories. You know, this this got delayed. He mentioned this. He mentioned Doomsday Clock, uh, other things that I forgot. Because in 10 years, no one's going to care. This is the mantra we hear a lot, right, Chris? Like from yep. Brian Michael Bendis says this. A lot, a lot of creators say this. It's not just really one sure. person. Uh, and that in 10, no one, no one cares now that that Watchmen was you know, that you know the old one from 85, 86. The, the last four issues were delayed. I think the last issue came out almost a year after the one before it. It was really ridiculous. Yeah, like that, and Camelot 3000 was yeah. similar to that. There's, uh, there's Ronan, tons. I think, ran a little late. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of them. And then when we really dig into the 90s, uh, you know, you'll see some real delays. Oh, yeah, on. the age of growing roses. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, and it, but his thing was, no one's going to care in the collection later. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's true. But what about the people buying the comics week to week? Like, they, they care, and you're killing the momentum and the appreciation and the primary market where, whether these things go to trade at all, theoretically, sure. at least quote unquote used to be based on that. I don't think that's true anymore though, Chris. I don't think they, I don't either. I really no. don't think they, they care at all. I think they have their uh, trade collection plans up front and the single issues are just sort of now an afterthought it used to be the other way around. 
Um, I'd almost like to show John Byrne that tweet. I really, uh, I mean, because really. like, isn't isn't part of this about professionalism? Maybe just a little bit. You would think so. You know what I mean? And if, right. And if you're gonna <laughs> and pride and, in and your if, job. If you're gonna play the monthly game, then you got to play it. You know, you got to play it to do it. You know, yeah. and this idea mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter really irritates. That's really really yeah, irritating the wrong yeah. way. <laughs> I mean, things happen. For example, you know what he mentioned, Mister Miracle, and that was a book where uh, the artist had a baby. There was there was a uh, Marvel thing recently where the artist had a baby too. And so they they pushed out a month. All right, not great. Okay, well, babies are planned, or we know when they're coming nine months in advance, right? So sure, sure. I know, I know. I'd probably get, but we'd we'd probably get fired from our jobs if we just decided not to work. Yeah, it's just it's around like, the time our babies. This came. month yeah. is not for me, but at least that's a, that's a thing where it's like, all right, we understand. And and for Mister Miracle, that's a trade in waiting already. I like to call that. Like that's that was never, you know, that the single issues on that are just for the. Uh, Collectors. Yeah. They, and I uh, think what in issue four, I think he he cocked his head to the side a little bit, exactly. and then someone said, "Hey, so I was about the size of it, right?" Yeah, ten well, out of ten. Well, he's he's got, he's got to draw ten paddles and copy them over uh, throughout the issue, so it's a lot. <laughs> ten out anyway, of ten. Anyway, not ripping on Mister Miracle too much. My point being, though, like that's a that is a series. It's its own contained mini series. Yeah, you, we it's would made figure you want to keep that's the sure. creative team intact on that, but. Whatever, Batman, the young animal, get another writer, get another artist. You know what I mean? Like, let's treat this like you're making like periodicals a anyway. Yeah. I, you know, now I feel like every young animal I got to end with a uh, outburst. It's that's fine. It's this <laughs> damn Doom Patrol, Chris. It just irritates me. Uh, and you know, if it wasn't like one of my favorite ever comics properties, I probably would be eh, shrug it off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it was something that we didn't care about, or if it was something that we weren't invested in, then sure, do. I mean, when when Bug last year went, oh know, yeah, we didn't care. All wacky. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's Bug. Who cares? Yeah, it's well, gonna, it'll come out when it comes out, if it comes out. Yeah, once, once, it didn't really matter. Once we saw that as the All Red Brothers vanity project, we were like, well, they'll do it that's on their own time. Then I guess that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just start a blog next year. That's there. We'll that's finish for it them. there. But uh, anyway, I uh, I think we have uh, harassed the listenership enough on the matter here, Chris. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but we did like Cave Carson, so uh, we did, we did, we did like Cave up. Carson. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, even though we've been a little down on the other two books, I still feel good going forward. Like we'll see what happens, you know. Like uh, at least there's something coming. Especially if Gerard Way isn't like heavily in the mix, maybe we'll see monthly comics. That'd be nice. So, <laughs> I know, in this day and age. Uh, but I think that's all we got for him this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? No, I think that I think we're all talked out. Yep. Well, until next week, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic.
everybody, welcome back to the Young Animal segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And just like we have had for the last three weeks in a row, actually going now Walker, eight huh, weeks yeah. in a row, if we go back through Milk Wars, we have another Young Animal title, and it is a debut in the new quote-unquote season of... Uh, mm-hmm. The Young Animal World, or whatever you want to call it. What, what what title is this, Chris? This is The Return of Mother Panic in Mother Panic Gotham AD number one. Stories called Different Bat Channel, written by Jody Hauser, with art by Ibrahim Mustafa, Jordan Boyd, and Marissa Luis. And uh, in it we open in an all-new, all-different Gotham City, uh, ten years into... A future. Yeah. Maybe maybe not <laughs> our future or the future, but a future. A future, right. <laughs> now, while sad clowns sing and the GCPD soars above the city on their hover zoomer things, Mother Panic <laughs> cracks some skulls. She thinks back to how she got here, including our first non-Milk Wars mention of Milk Wars. Mm. Hmm. Now, in this new Gotham, Violet Page was listed among the dead in that Gatherhouse fire, which was a... Pretty much the store, the straw that stirred the drink in the uh, first series. Right. It was a uh, someone set a fire, and apparently she died of it this time around. Uh, now the mother panic compound yet still stands, but most of her people are missing. Doctor Varma, what's his face? It was a Dom. Uh, yeah, the I I know you mean the uh, the other human guy. <laughs> yes, the guy who <laughs> I think his name was who, Dom. Uh, I don't remember actually. I think but so. You're right. Yeah, the, the guy I who was, was like chained to a toilet for the first quarter of the right, <laughs> right, right. He played the uh, kind of chunkyish dude. Yeah. Yes, uh, and also Mama Panic cannot be located. They're uh, they're all off the grid. Uh, the one member of the old gang still kicking around is Otis, the former rat catcher. Uh, she and Otis chat for a bit. And Violet informs him that she took care of the dealers, which is, uh, I suppose, the skulls she just cracked. Yeah, she took them out. Well, she's trying to inhabit the the vacated mansion that looks like crap right now. Really, looks all yes. messed up, strewn with garbage. Uh, elsewhere, our new friend and Chris's favorite new character, Fennec Fox, is out Absolutely. rustling up some new some supplies. Uh, she heads into a commodity market and walks into a confrontation between the shop clerk and. Pretty. Remember that guy? This really, hey. this really is almost like I expect the audience to just like applaud here. Just like, yeah, <laughs> he walks hey, in oh, the yeah. door. <laughs> you know, anybody ask for a pretty? Anyway, uh, he, <laughs> he claims to work for the collective and he is here to collect. Fennec nice. Fox. What's that? <laughs> that works. Yeah, that's pretty much what they do. And Fennec uh, <laughs> Fox gets involved and stabs Pretty in the leg and Pretty runs off promising this ain't over. And uh, the clerk thanks Fox for the assist, to which she demands free stuff at knife point. I don't think she needed the knife. No, you'd think she would get it, but, you know, things ain't all sweet here in Gotham AD, apparently, you know. That's a fact. Uh, Elsewhere again, we reunite with another one of our favorite stars, Gala, the blood pain lady. Yay! Uh, (laughs) She's there designing a new superhero. You see, in this new Gotham, vigilantes have been banned, except for those created by the collective. Oh, yeah, and Gala sort of runs the collective, so that's vital information. Um, Now, after focus grouping the latest and greatest, she exits only to run into another old star, Victor Page. Oh, get the gang back together. (laughs) Now, this is Violet's brother, who was responsible for having her thrown into Gatherhouse following the death of their father in the original series. Now, he requests from Gala a visit with the Oracle. 
Back at the old uh, Mother Panic compound, Otis, Violet, and Fennec reconnoiter and eat. And Violet learns that Pretty still is hanging around, lurking around. Otis hands Violet a letter from someone claiming to have information on the whereabouts of her mother. Turns out that that letter is from the Joker. Hmm. Now, he's in a pretty bad way, and he's really bummed out that Batman's gone. He's, like, really down in the dumps about it. Yeah. Uh, now, he tells uh, tells Violet, or he tells Mother Panic, that Rebecca Page is in Arkham. Also, that she can meet, quote, one pussycat in Robinson Park. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know who that could be. That's got to be poison, poison Ivy. Probably, Probably. Obviously, yeah. Pussycat, Pussy Willows. Come on. Yes. It's very obvious, really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after this scene, we wrap up back at Arkham Institute, where Victor Page is introduced to the Oracle, who turns out to be his mother. Whoa. And the issue, as uh, most of the young animal line, came with a backup. That's right. And I'm just going to three pages. It's all right. It's kind of a funny little... Uh... Promo travelogue for the new Gotham City, which which highlights how uh, uh, not great it is. You know, it's got a lot mm-hmm. of disparity between the uh, haves and the have-nots. And then at the end of it, Gala uh, slits the throat of the person pitching it because she doesn't like the tone of it or whatever. So that's that's what the backup is. The artist's uh, pretty cool on it. I like it, actually, but wouldn't, mm-hmm. like, run across the street for her, but it's uh, no. <laughs> nice and clean and crisp and looking okay. And actually, looking if you look at, are you looking at it now? You have the, the last page open? Yeah. Notice how the girl has turned into Beast Girl at the top. Look at that. She's all green. <laughs> That's nice. Why not? Yeah, we could bring her in. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so what'd you think, Chris? So you, you read the old issue and reviewed it on the site? Yeah, you know, I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, uh, it's given me more faith in this series. I mean, than the uh, the imprint. Um, the the, ch- the change in tone isn't as big as a uh, as in like shade. No, I feel like shade is like a totally different animal right now. But this feels just like it could be the next issue of Mother Panic, just an arc in the future. Yeah. Um, it, it uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that it, one of the things that's both I think to its credit. And also maybe a little bit, not I wouldn't call it uh, disappointing, but almost like dis- disconcerting is here we have mm. a new season, and we're essentially they're reintroducing all the same characters, but in a, in a new way, playing new roles. So yeah. if you follow the first one, there's a connectivity, but there still is, like you say, the whole new dynamic of it. And the, I just think I expected a new pantheon. I expected them her to go into the future, and for that reason... That would cause this, you know, a whole new spate of people, but that's not that's not the sure. case. I think that fans of the first series should be able to walk right into this. Oh, it could eyes be issue wide 13. open. Exactly. Yeah. You got you're gonna you're gonna love this. If you loved it, you know, before you'll love it now. The tone mm-hmm. is right, is just the same. I also sort of as as much as we didn't like the Milk Wars thing, I appreciated this comic like dealt with it. Mentioned it. Mentioned it. Yeah. It's, it's it's the other comics seem to have like glossed over it. Uh, Mother Panic at least acknowledges that something strange has happened, and and she knows something is off. Yeah, uh, and and that's obviously going to be part of the narrative. Yeah, uh, she's a she's the young animal psycho pirate. She's the only one who remembers the events of Milk Wars. <laughs> wow, can we get that on the trade cover? Can we got to call them up? Young animal yes. psycho pirate. <laughs> <laughs> the most obtuse comment that could be possible. Yes. Uh, Art is great. 
you know, it looks yes. just like it's the same. It's it's isn't this a? Uh... It feels a bit cleaner. This is a new uh, new artist on yeah, the title. I, this I believe guy worked on it, or he or she worked on it. But uh, yeah, it looked it looked good, right in line with the rest of it. Really, I and, dug that. It's and funny. it feels like the first time they're trying to make Violet look somewhat attractive. Okay, maybe. <laughs> like, like, where, like, usually she's drawn as, like, really, like, gritty. Yeah, she's very pugnacious and sort yeah, of, like, either yeah. either gritty or overly cartoony and angular. This is just a normal woman, and, which you know, uh, she's haven't seen yet. She's supposed to be, like, a big celebrity, so you'd think she would be, you know, even <laughs> artificially true. hot. You know what I mean? Like, she would be, like, a, a woman with a nose job and stuff. Uh, they usually make her look kind of scrappy and, you know, a little, yeah. little tough, little gritty. It's funny because I, I still don't think this is a book that you and I like, really. No, you know what no. I mean? However, spend full price on I it. Would, I, don't think. I wouldn't, I don't think I would spend half price on it pers- <laughs> personally, but that's not because it's, it's all about the tone of the book not really being our tone. Within the context of what this already is, I think mm-hmm. this is the strongest book by far in Young Animals. Oh, sure. uh, you know, just storytelling, plotting, just the nuts and bolts of it, not to mention actually, like, dealing with things and, and you know, uh, creating, yeah. creating, you know, questions, answering questions, doing the things we like to see in stories instead of just confusing us with a psychedelic scene every issue. Uh, it just took the word out of my mouth. It's uh, it's yeah, because this is actually it's grounded, and uh, everything that needs an answer gets an answer, and it's not just all washed away with a poem, right? Or with uh, someone drinking what is it, dream pudding or whatever it is. It's just we call it night pudding. Has, okay, night so that's pudding. What... <laughs> <laughs> uh, this actually has to deal with things, and it and it does, and it uh, does so so far in a satisfying way. I would say, I mean, this to me is a solid comic, and again, if you liked it before, then you should have no compunction about going right ahead and reading it. You're going to like it again. If you didn't like it before, I, I don't know, I, I maybe give it a shot. I mean, it, it depends what you didn't like about it. If you don't like a, like, cursing, brash, uh, hmm. you know, super, petulant, super yeah. violent, petulant character, well, she's still that, so don't... don't... <laughs> <laughs> knock yourself out but if you if you were kind of on the wall about it because you found it a little bit confusing uh the first time around i think this was even a little more linear and straightforward it was. you might want to give it a look but uh and the introduction of the of the batman characters i i think that might have been part of why they moved it into the future because this allows violet to brush up against the bat characters without affecting them in present day right um, or really, would, I, I, I assume i'm thinking also without affecting them ever i do think this is an yeah, alternate future a, where, a different future yeah, yeah. But, but uh, it's like uh, the first series, one of the things that we really were pleased about was the fact that it stood so far from the Bat universe while still being in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of uh, – it was an independent book, and the Bat characters were kind of a nuisance in it, and they they were like – they were background. Right. Where uh, now we're coming a little close to the Bat characters, and uh, I, I – I don't dislike that, but I also don't want the book to lose whatever identity it's it's gotten over the past year. Well, obviously something has happened to them, right? You know, I mean, the, well, sure. Batman is is no longer in action. We don't really know the state of them. There, I mean, I'm getting, the way this book is, they're probably all alcoholics living in crime alley or something <laughs> like this. Uh, so we still that I, I do hear what you're saying. Uh, it remains. Even look at the cover here. Yeah. What do you see on the cover? It's, you don't uh, see Mother Panic. It's, it's the Joker. Jo- it's the Joker, yeah, and it's like the cool, uh, their Joker, which actually yeah. I, mean, I thought the cover actually looked pretty alright, but I do get you. It does. Like, it does. Uh, I mean, it, we're just gonna have to see. Sure. 
how it all pans out. But I do hear you. I mean, I, we don't. I don't want this to become uh, the Batman Beyond with curse words, where it's exactly. all like where all we all with we get added f word. Yeah. All we get is like white haired Tim Drake, and we get you know uh, you know <laughs> Babs Gordon in a uh, in a hover in a hover uh, wheelchair or whatever. <laughs> You know, coming over and just like, ah, does not compute or something. We don't want that, but it could be done in a way. And I'll tell you something. I mean, to some to some extent, this comic has earned its occasional dalliance with the characters in Gotham City. I think so, yeah. Because they didn't overuse them at all. I mean, we saw uh, there was one time she kind of like brushed up with Batwoman. Yeah, Batman, we saw Batman watching her uh, on a monitor. And, and, and telling her to basically, you know... Be, be cool or something said something <laughs> stupid you know that one. so but it's it's not like they've been really you know pimping it so uh it's it's earned as long as let's not overuse it well we just have to yeah. take it as it comes but for now i accept it and the, the joker was the scene was okay I, I do always like the idea of joker being the you know so, so dichotomous with batman that he can't that he needs him survive yeah. without him uh and you, you would think it would probably go the other way also but Enough on the ba- psychology of Batman for today. Wait, what was the score you gave this? I gave this a solid eight out of ten. I would think I would go the same way. I was uh, the first time I read it, we talked. I was like, eh, I'm thinking like seven, five, eight. Then when looking at it again for this, I was like, this is this is a pretty solid book. Uh, yeah, it's all about. Do you like this kind of book? Uh, sure. You, you, ha- you have to go into this knowing what it is. This is not obviously. This is not. Uh, even Batman regular DCU, this is a, you know, it's got your dirty words, it's got your dark toned things, your themes, a little noir. Sure. But if if you dig that, if that sounds interesting to you, if the idea of a future dirty Gotham sounds interesting <laughs> to you, then uh, maybe give it a look, and especially if you can get it for a buck or two cheaper. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's the way. That's the way we would do it. You know, do do like Chris, get it in six months when it will show up. <laughs> or it, go to the comic shop and tear the the backup out and ask if you can have it. There you go. Be like, so, <laughs> so the backup. This one didn't come with a backup. <laughs> Simple as that, you know. That's a little money-saving tip. Now, next week we do have another young animal book, and we already have it in our possession, so we know it's there. Shade the Changing Woman number two, so we'll be back to talk about that. And then maybe the the rumor is Doom Patrol might come out this month, but we're not holding our breath. Yeah, what was it? The last time we heard was uh, the 18th, the same day as Action 1000, right? Right, yeah. So that that's definitely going to get a lot of press. I'm sure that day. I'm sure of it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna come out like a wet fart. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think that's all we got for this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? (laughs) No, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Cyberpunk, Megadel, ultraviolence is what I adjust. Future phenomena, you need to try it once. Cyberpunk, Megadel, ultraviolence is what I adjust. Future phenomena, you need to try it once. Megadel, cyberpunk technology, such as cyberbots. Check the rhymes, I can cock private stock. While you jock, I said I'm ultra security. For MC intelligence who want to murder me. It's like the third degree.